0: today's guest is my friend, psychotherapist Joseph Teske. We were actually in a coffee shop, Toby's Coffee Estate in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. And we were having this really interesting conversation that I had to record. So you might hear some background noise. You might hear some German folks sitting at the table next to us talk about something I'm sure unrelated. But we were speaking about what some would call a dominant psychology and status and uh, the visceral experience of it because we were both referring to some anecdotal observations that when one is afraid or feeling Beta or low status or anxious, it kind of smells differently in your sweat as opposed to feeling really good. Obviously, this is an anecdotal observation. We're kind of being facetious, but I do think there's some truth to this. So, I was calling this episode Terror Sweat throughout the conversation, but I think a more apt title would be Status Signals. So, right now you're listening to episode 041 Status Signals and Terror Sweat with Joseph Teske. Oh, and also before I forget, I am doing a group coaching for a thing with my men's mastermind group specifically on this topic because I we didn't really go into the house in this. So if you want to learn more, you can DM me on Instagram, hit me up on any social medium, email me or go to masculineunderground.com. I should put a link up there eventually. If you want to be a part of that, we'll go into actual how to change your status expression. Anyway, that's that. Listen to the episode. It's a good one. Goodbye. You're listening to the Rwanda Podcast, Perpetual Orgasm, Infinite Play. Please subscribe on iTunes and enjoy the show. So I'm here with the man Joseph Tesky. We're in Toby's coffee, so I don't know if I don't know how the, the sound quiet will be. You get some of the ambient noise of Toby's coffee in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, New York. We're talking about terror sweat. Well, we're talking about terror sweat. We we, we said beta sweat. Beta sweat, terror sweat, talking about masculinity, of course. But, but how
1: sense scent can change depending on internal state.
0: Yeah, we we were talking about how some people say, and I think I kind of agree. I think we both agree that uh, uh, something about male odor can be attractive and, you know, maybe it's pheromones, maybe it's something, um, we don't need to cover that scent up, but terror sweat or beta sweat, when someone's being anxious, something about their scent is often, you know, uh,
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, like I remember, I was
1: gonna, I was about to say, I remember this very specific uh, thing that happened when I was younger. When I finally became uh, proficient, let's say, at Muay Thai, like like I, I had my first fight in the ring, uh, and I proved myself, like I won the fight and knocked the guy out. I was like. I can do this. Like I now, something had ch- changed. Before the fight, I was like, "Yeah, this is just something I yeah, I, I train, which it. But like afterwards, my whole body changed. Like I, and the way I oriented myself around in the world it changed. Like I was kind of like my confidence level like.
0: Yeah, you viscerally felt like I could fuck people up.
1: Yeah, exactly. I, I did feel that way. And I was—I I lost, like, this level of fear that I didn't even know I was carrying. Like, it just sort of, like, dissipated. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And around that time, I remember that summer, I, like, my, my body changed. Like, I, like, like I, I stopped wearing any uh, person for a while. Uh-huh. And, like, even though, like, my Gear, my, my my training gear, that stuff stunk.
2: Like, yeah.
1: it was always, like, you know, like obvious. But like, I could like go for a workout and then like go out and like not get feedback that I smelled that. In fact, I get feedback that I smelled good.
0: Yeah, there is something like winning increases testosterone. We know that. Uh-huh. You, you know, it's also interesting. I mean, about the fighting specifically. Like, the first time I sparred, there's something about. Actually actually entering another guy's space and actually landing a punch, which, that was really hard for me. Like, I'd been hitting the bag and doing Taekwondo for years, but i never really landed a punch on someone. And the first time I'm in the ring, it's like I couldn't break the barrier. It's like something oh, something yeah. about it. I couldn't step into his space. Well, we used to make fun of the, the Taekwondo people because, like, like I
1: mean, this is back when I was training in Muay Thai. Muay Thai was, was like, exotic. Uh-huh. Nobody knew what the fuck it was. Yeah, like, yeah. Taekwondo was really popular. Right. And, like, we had this we had this taekwondo uh, school called Bay's School of Destruction, and we always made fun of them. They they they, they were pretty good. Like they were in, when you watch them, like their kicking and and stuff was like pretty fucking good. You know, pretty powerful looking stuff. But then they, and they would do all these tournaments, and the taekwondo tournaments are like they're, they're, it's, it's tag,
2: yeah,
0: it's
1: touch, and we would just be like, like that's bullshit you' not you're not learning to actually like like drive through right. your
0: opponent's body and actually like do because you know, psychologically I think it's it's hard yeah like I've been hitting and because I even I' been boxing for six months but hitting bags and pads yeah but I could not land a punch on a guy I could just not I could not enter his space with a fist until he hit me. Once he hit me, I was like, "Oh, fuck him!" And, and then I felt different. I think something just changed in my mind, body, whatever. I
1: don't think that's rare. Like, like that happened to me too. Like, so first of all, we went into the the, the taekwondo uh, competitions, and we just we just killed it. Like, we went in there and like we we won. We all you know we cleaned
0: up. Like, even like, though you couldn't kick in in the legs and stuff, even
1: though we couldn't kick in the legs, mm. we could do other things. Kick in the head, but.
0: but Oh, okay. You know, like like we were we were fighting their rules,
1: right? Mm-hmm. It was it was a taekwondo competition. Yeah. But like even that, even like 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 the the act of constantly training to like for impact and like for real world like effect like actually made it just as fast or faster or more let's say like accurate than the taekwondo guys. And there were some guys that were pretty. Scary in, in that school, like they were like big muscular, but also super like they could do full splits yeah. and, and spinning kicks to the head and stuff. And, you know, high high axe kicks and you know right. like But that effect you're talking about, I uh, I had that when I was in the ring. Like, I was fighting against a guy in my school. We didn't have belts. My teacher was also like, he was this like crazy street fighting Portuguese pirate like, and he. He, like he, he scorned belts, but so I was, you know, fighting this guy who he was from Ontario, he was from like Toronto or something. And uh, is that he, you? Yeah, that that's right? that's okay, me. yeah, it. Let, me go, let me go get
0: that. Joseph's yeah, uh, getting his coffee while I, oh, he's already your back. Look at that, okay. that was quick.
2: Awesome.
1: So, yeah, so this guy, he was. He like a lot taller than me. He was probably like four inches, five inches taller than me. Uh, he, and he was like a black belt in some martial art. It could have been, I don't, I'm not sure what it was karate, taekwondo, or something. Uh, maybe it was kung fu. Or like but he was like his body was, was was different we were both fighting at
2: we were both fighting at 165
1: pounds and I was, I was way stronger than he was. you know Like, but he, but he was taller and yet he had longer reach and so when we started like the whole first round was him like tagging me constantly you know and I was like I'm losing the fight oh no I'm getting hit all the time and that was my first thing that went over my head it's like oh he's he's winning
0: I'm You probably smelled terrible because you had that terror sweat. Maybe. That beta sweat.
1: I might have, yeah. (laughs) But by the end of the first round, I started getting angry. I'm like what the fuck
2: like,
1: you know fuck you like you know like stop hitting me, you know I'm gonna hit you back and then I was hesitant to hit him as hard as I could you know uh-huh. and he wasn't he wasn't hesitant he had had a few fights already. this was my first fight uh-huh. and so he was trying to like take me out and it was a thing to... in your gym to spar
0: full force oh yeah we, spar- we sparred uh-huh. without headgear
2: headgear
0: doesn't we, do much though it just stops you from getting cut. But yeah, I mean, full contact sparring. I'm not into it anymore. I don't like the concept of it. But anyway, go on.
1: The, I, I Nowadays, I look back on that and I look like I, I think, ooh, shit, like that that wasn't very smart. But like, I mean, they were the, the way we sparred in in my thing. He would, my my teacher would, he'd be like, go go spar with with Tony, you know? And like Tony's like like his cousin, who's like 300 pounds, but has been doing martial arts and Muay Thai since he was like four years old and he's like this guy like, when he kicked me in the legs he would kick through my leg and then the other leg he just kick both my legs right out from under me and I'd fall Nice. Uh-huh. like that's how hard he could kick uh-huh. you know like 300 pounds yeah, like, yeah, obese kind of but, yeah. like, but like he would just knock my legs like, 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 and, I'd, I'd, and I'd spar with him you know and like but that's how you learn you know yeah. and he would he would do shit like there was a guy who came to spar one time and sometimes people and he would allow that like sometimes people didn't have proper <coughs> proper sparring gloves so all he had was vet this guy showed up for his first class he was this like big muscular hockey playing dude uh-huh. and he had bag gloves like the old school bag gloves with the bar in the middle no no not oh, okay. with the bar okay. just, just, but just like like light yeah uh, I, I forget how, how heavy they are you
0: know they don't make those anymore they don't make bag gloves all Everlast sells MMA gloves as your bag gloves oh, really I really right. miss the old school bag gloves yeah 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 I actually miss the one with the bar in the middle because I feel be like <laughs> the safest thing for your hands <laughs> like, you know you're not going to punch someone with that well yeah but it's like really safe for your hands you're not going to Hurt your heart. Anyway, I digress. Anyway. Everlast, please make the old school ones. Anyway, this guy was like, you know, new.
1: And he, he could obviously, he had already obviously like <clears throat> done some, maybe some boxing and he was athletic.
2: Uh,
1: but he was kind of an asshole, you know, and he was kind of arrogant.
2: And my teacher's like, you
1: can spar, but be careful. You know, so he put he put the uh, the, the bag gloves on. And he's supposed to go gentle. Yeah. And he started sparring with like some some, like, you know, intermediate, like, girl. And he's, like, throwing haymakers at her. And then he he switches to somebody else who's also, like, a beginner. This guy's, like, hitting the other person really hard. So then my teacher's like,
2: Dave, get in there.
1: And it's like, Dave was like, his... his, like one of one of the guys on the team like yeah. this fucking savage uh-huh. like kickboxer who he was Dave was was like uh, Rocky he was like this guy who like his heart he would never give up but he was also super super tough and although not very heavy or, or tall probably like 5 foot
2: 5 foot 8 and like 155 pounds yeah. and
1: this guy the hockey player guy was like 6 foot one in like 200 times, you yeah. know, like, uh, and like two hundred
2: times And
1: Dave just comes in and just and my teacher totally allows and Dave comes in and just like, like knocks the guy out. As the guy's falling down, he still lands like two more punches and then leg kick, leg kick, leg kick, like as the guy falls and like the guy was completely out of it. Had to be like woken up with smelling salts and then like he's like and my teacher's like
2: now get the fuck (laughs) out he never came back
0: like I was the kind of gym that guy was so I loved my teacher yeah uh, yeah Uh, yeah I was just watching this thing uh, it was a clip from Joe Rogan's show with Farah Sahabi who trains George St. Pierre and they're talking about how they don't do any full contact sparring anymore even for pro fighters because you don't actually learn better and on the long run you don't develop the skills and you're damaging your body so it's really not and I was like oh yeah because even like for strength training I'm like I'm never training to failure again Right. You said I was saying yeah because I mean even like, right now because I can't work out my upper body I'm trying Isn't to it, get really who flexible who is it George St. Pierre is, is it George uh, St. Pierre Faras who trains George St. Pierre even George St. Pierre said that he doesn't do weight training anymore he doesn't train until failure because um, when I think about like like when I was doing the Marines training when I wanted to raise my pull-ups doing all the training to failure stuff never works. But doing like one or two pull-ups every time I walk past my bedroom pull-up bar, within two months I went from my 15 pull-ups to 25. And I never, I never strained myself, but I was getting way more reps, and I said, maybe 30 pull-ups a day, in sets of three. You know, so I think, and I think with this elbow injury, I'm like, I gotta just learn the lesson that I haven't learned for 30 years, which is chill the fuck out. (laughs) Because you know, the whole reason I knew that my elbow was tender because I worked out really hard in the gym, and I could feel all the connective tissue was tender. And I, 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 looking back, I know that any impact was gonna knock it loose, you know. Well, there's something to
1: that, and also as to get older like you can train like the way some people like to train that that intense train in your early 20s like in your yeah. late teens your early 20s twi- then again almost any training in your late teens early consistent. But like especially going to failure I, me and my brother when we were training when I was like 21 we were we were, we were doing do you know do you know Mike Manson
2: no. Mike Mentzer was a bodybuilder. I mean,
1: obviously a guy on steroids, but like, uh, we used his method. He used tons of like forced reps, negative reps, yeah. like uh, compound sets, like, supersets, like all these things. And my brother and I were maniacs. Like we, were like, we, we would just like destroy ourselves in the gym.
0: And is the worked, best way to get mass. It worked like yeah. like
1: it, it was as if we were doing steroids. Like, yeah. like, like in three months I probably put on like 12 pounds of muscle you know like really bad but then
0: of course I got injured right That's but, it. I mean I was getting injured in high school from the same same idea Yeah. I've never been that big since I, I the biggest I've ever been was high school
2: that was 10 years ago
0: so I'm like shit maybe it's just not going to work <laughs> you know? but there must be some sustainable
1: long term way of doing it but obviously because other people you know, yeah people aren't there are lots of people who get way bigger in their 30s than they were in their
0: 30s. Yeah, well, I do think my bone structure is just not built for lots of That's mess. probably true. Yeah. My body's built for, like, parkour, and I got to get real with that. Like, I want to be big and brawling, but it's just not. And you're, yeah,
1: you're,
0: yeah. It's just not going to work for me
1: but anyway so I was saying about this fight terror sweat well I got you know I got mad Uh and towards the end of the first round it's like I reacted it's like you know sometimes you react uh, instinctively you know at a certain you know at a certain point something he did like really kind of poked me and I was like fuck you you know and I I nailed, you know and I'm like oh oh you like that huh you know, like I can, I can hit him back, and then I proceeded to, st- I, I started to just take him apart. Like the second round, I just, like, stripped, wailed on him. You know, and and, yeah. then, and then, the beginning of the third round, I finally knocked him out. And, and like, but when I knocked him out, I actually at that point though, I was like, and I was in really good shape. I could run like ten miles, at, at like, at like. I well, for, when I was, if I was running ten miles, the pace would be like probably seven and a half minutes a mile. But like, I, was, I thought that was pretty good. And yeah. I could run like I was running five miles fairly often, like three times a week. Plus, I was doing like an hour and fifteen-minute Muay Thai workouts, trainings, yeah. uh, like four times a week. Plus, I was going to the gym doing strength training like three times a week. And like by the by the beginning of the third round, I was so exhausted I thought I was gonna die. Like. I was, And when, when I knocked him out, my first thought wasn't, like, yes, like I got you, or fuck you, or I, I won. It was like, it's over. <laughs> like, thank God. Yeah.
0: You know, I was, I was telling, so in my, in my college group of friends, there's a couple of beefs between guys. There's maybe, like, 10 of us, and, like, a couple of these guys don't talk to each other anymore because of something stupid that happened when, you know, eight years ago when someone was drinking, someone said something to a girlfriend or something like that and they're holding out to these grudges for like 8 years or 10 years at this point and I I told them from day one if you punched the guy in the face who said that shit you probably would have had a beef maybe you would have fought that night but you'd be cool by now but they didn't do anything so they're still holding out to that aggression for 10 years it's ridiculous yeah. I do think you know I mean it's a unpopular thing to say but uh, controlled violence sometimes is the answer you know it's like because you didn't hate, have any hate afterwards right and I think this is something that's being lost with traditional masculine beating. I kind of have to rough it out sometimes well I haven't I haven't so
2: to
1: be honest I haven't even watched that ad <clears throat> the uh oh, the Gillette the, ad the Gillette ad but like it's it sounds it sounds horrible but, but like the uh it's just over the top like there's apparently there's an image where it's like there's two kids roughhousing on the ground and these like
0: you know cultured beta males coming like pulled them apart you know, like a, a dad It's like, we don't do that. It's not okay, right? It's just like, come on. It's like, I get the message, but you just did it so over the top.
1: Rough housing is, is perfectly okay. That's and those exactly kids are correct. Those
0: young boys are going to be fucked up when they're teenagers. Yeah. <laughs> and they're going to hire me as a coach probably, so I'm not that worried about it. It's keeping me in business, but it's just fucked up. Yeah. That's what I was telling Omar Pani, like, or I, I mean to tell him, like, he doesn't have to get that angry because honestly, it's going to show up in workshops later when people in 20 years are like shit my sex life is messed up or my self-esteem is down the toilet you know why because you cut off your instincts when you were a kid well but will it I mean that's the other thing that we're, I think this
1: is part of what, what drives the anger is that a lot of times you have this idea about evolution being uh, linear and a progression but it's not evolution can can go quote unquote backwards it can, it can, it can go the a different direction like so we'll we're evolving. I Maybe think it's a more intellectual now, we're, space. Maybe Twenty, just, uh, yeah. 20, ahead, 20 years from now, we're going to be we're going to be sexless. It's possible. I mean, th- that's what people like I think w- where the anger for, for people like all, or even to some extent myself comes from. It's like this like the intensity of the potential like uh, change that, that could be happening is is like enormous.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, we talked about this before. Like, uh, I don't think the right response is to get angry or say what you're doing is dangerous because you're just adding to the noise. I'm trying to. I'm trying to. I obviously didn't like the ad, but I'm trying to be compassionate about it. And really, just like, I'm only really worried for teenage teenage boys right now. We're gonna grow up kind of messed up from this, I think. Yeah. Because they're gonna have this impulse to compete and talk to women, and they're like, oh, I, sh- I can't do these two things. Like. Well, and you also push like. Like
1: to, for every every you know reaction, there's an equal reaction. Like like this is why the polarization in American politics and like, to some extent global politics is so is so dangerous though, and it's so infuriating because like every time like the, it's the the people on the left they they sort of shift the the Overton window like to like like mainstream opinion becomes right wing, then like you actually you do push people into the right. The people yeah. that are at the edge of the mainstream, like on that end of the spectrum, start to go. Wait a minute, fuck me! I'm going to actually take a more extreme position. Yeah. Than I did five minutes ago.
0: Yeah, and I'm trying to resist that. It's just like my whole life I've always identified as liberal. Yeah, uh, me too. But now I'm like, wait, am I conservative? I'm like, no. Everything has been the same. It's just what is considered normal or moderate has changed. But have you heard that saying? What's the saying? Is that if you're, if you're
1: not a liberal when you're under thirty, you have no heart. When you're, if you're not a
0: conservative, when you're over thirty, you have no head. That makes sense. I'm <laughs> so, thirty right now. I'm in a transition phase. Know, exactly.
1: As you get older, you, because as you get older, you start to see, if, you know, when you're, you're young. This is, this is why I, will, I, I, you know, we, we talk about, but I. I I'm always skeptical uh, of people, coaches and, 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 and you know, and the new age people that are, especially in their 20s, you know, they go to a course, one course or like two courses or, or a six month coaching program or, or even just they graduate from like, from college and then they like, they claim a position of authority in, in thought or like in speaking or in teaching. Or you know, like I'm gonna coach people. I'm gonna like I'm gonna tell people what to do with their lives. I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about what what's morally right or wrong. You know, like and there's there's a cultural narrative that yeah, like youth knows like better because they're more in touch with like feelings, purity, with some kind of like pure being that Mm. that comes with childhood that we ascribe to childhood. So, So somehow that's better. But but actually, when you get older, you start to realize. Like a lot of what you think when you're 20 is like really actually incorrect. Like you don't know what you don't know at that point. Like that's a really big thing. I see both sides.
0: Maybe it's because I'm 30. Like not knowing <laughs> what you don't know yeah. is, is a big, big thing. I think uh, part of the beauty of youthful liberalism is a bit of uh, Pollyanna irrationality. Yes. Because you kind of got to push that.
1: You know, I love that part. That part, that part is precious and, and, and we should cherish a kind of poly uh, uh, poly I always said polyamorous poly Anna-ish uh, optimism and, 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 and like, like I, you know it's, it's hard not to like let your optimism extinguish as you get older because you start to see like that it's actually a lot more difficult than people think to change to affect change to change even your own life so um but one of the things like a measure of intelligence that, that they we fear is terror sweat no we've done this in, we've done uh, in this research on this which is that like the smarter people are the, the more aware they are of what they don't know that's a hallmark of intelligence so like like uh, you've heard of imposter syndrome mm-hmm. imposter syndrome uh, accretes a, 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 a like in its highest, like, ratio uh, at the level of mastery. Hmm.
0: Yeah, you know, we, we've talked about that in, like, the creative side. Like, if you want to start any creative pursuit or develop a skill, you kind of have to have bad taste when you start. Because if you have a really, if you're really sophisticated with, like, what good writing is or what good art is, you're going to look at your craft and be like, wow, that sucks. And you're never going to do it. You kind of have to have a low bar to, like, believe in yourself enough to actually develop competence. Well,
1: Ira Glass, I think
0: it's Ira Glass,
1: has a has a little talk on this. It's a great quote. He talks about how you, yeah, exactly that. You have to be, by definition, if you're like, if you're sitting there going like, I should be a writer.
2: Or I have things to
1: say, you know, Mm -hmm. like through through writing with my voice. Uh, So almost by definition, hopefully, anyway, you do. You 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 have a sophisticated sense of like
2: what's good
1: art or what's good information and good data or you know like uh, what's 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 a powerful expression. And you're going to when you start out, it's it's. Just Uh, it's it's
2: inevitable uh, that you're gonna start
1: out and there's going to be, like, a significant gap between, like, what your internal sophisticated uh, map or image of what you should be expressing is and what you're actually expressing. You're going to be writing stuff that to you is unsophisticated, awkward, clumsy crap. And you're going to just have to grin and bear it and go, yeah, that's that's all I'm, I can do right now. And it doesn't match... What I can do internally, what I know I can do, what I actually can do, doesn't match what I know I can do. Yeah. And then through repetition and through, you know, uh, practice, you, you 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 shift that gradually more and more into alignment with what you know you can yeah. do and say, and what you actually can. That do. takes a lot of faith
0: that a lot of people don't have. do so To yeah. start. Yeah. I think the other thing is to just be super ignorant of what's good, because <laughs> right. you are talking about faith friend we have who I think writes pretty unintelligent things at high volume but her stuff has been getting better and she's putting out stuff enough that I know in a couple of years she's going to have really brilliant things to say and she's probably going to look back and be like wow everything else was really stupid but you know what it works and she's young enough like whatever you spend five years publishing crap is better than not publishing at all That yeah no no you're right you know and, and
1: that goes with like you know you, you pointed this quote out to me what is it the uh, is it Truman or Roosevelt I don't know the, the man in the arena oh yeah it's Eddie Roosevelt it's not yeah. the critic that counts right uh, it's the man in the arena yeah you know because you, you can sit there and, and for five years so it's all crap or you can for five years write the write crap right and then in your sixth year you're not writing really crap anymore yeah
0: yeah that's one of the cool things about the media age that you use a publication means you're gonna put out crap. It's almost like, I think it's the new rite of passage. Because back in like the Bukowski era, era for instance, he would talk about his journey and that how he kept publishing and getting rejected. But now it's you publish and no one likes it. <laughs> no one hits like on your post. No you know? one hits like. But then eventually you develop a following and all that shit, you know.
1: But there's an interesting part about that, though, too, because I've often thought about this, like, a there's so much of liking stuff especially in today's world, is uh, perception of value rather than actual value. Yeah. So, like, a lot of the stuff that, like, you might have published in your third year that got no likes, within your sixth year... It's vintage. ...you, you get, like, you get 100,000 likes, people will go back and read the third year thing and be like, wait a minute, that's a little gem. And yeah. suddenly now it's
0: likable. It's like when Van Gogh died. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know what's interesting? Um, I don't know, if it, I mean... I can't really prove this, but when I've written something controversial and people take sides, it gets a bunch of likes from people who agree, it gets a bunch of comments from people who don't agree, it gets shared a lot and it gets more spread more often. Yeah, I, uh, The last couple of times I've been trying to avoid controversy, I mean not even avoid it, but just like be like, hey, this is why I was trying to pre-argue against the people against me and kind of like nullify it. Like my last post was on Compassion, about the Gillette ad, and I put a few things in there that if someone were to give me the, the common, let's a liberal argument for it it would look stupid so it's getting very well it's getting very few comments right now because I think I kind of like ruined the opportunity for conversation. yeah it was like I, I you know yeah I was too invulnerable with my argument that you no one can talk about it no, no one will challenge you
2: no yeah one,
0: no one will step into the arena right and, I, and I'm and i partly proud but it's like well
1: now no one's, no one's going to read this post <laughs> you know? yeah it's like you're sitting there in the middle of the arena with like this like, like like iron shod like you know suit of magic armor waiting for a a challenger and everyone's like I'm not stepping in there like that's the mountain. Yeah. Like I'm not I'm not going in there. You You gotta like appear to be like you gotta appear to be vulnerable (laughs) until they step in. Then you transform into It's
0: almost like you gotta put in some um egregious statements to invite an attack and then have a compassionate response. Yeah. So then you can be like, oh wow, okay, this guy actually. But you need to get them to put in their,
2: You need
0: to invite the attack almost. It's kind of whatever. I don't know if I'm gonna play that game, but um... yeah, yeah,
1: it's uh.
0: It's interesting. because yeah, like on my article about male violence, I got a criticism, and I basically agreed with him and then like absorbed the arguments and was like, oh, here's where I get, I see what you're saying I respect your opinion, but here's where I see it. And he was like, oh, okay. And then that was it. There's no more argument. There's no room for,
2: we just kind of settled it.
0: Which I like intellectually, but it's not good for...
2: Marketing. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, there's that that I think in marketing there is a uh, uh, there's like a
2: an an, an, ad,
1: an adage an adage uh, that uh, you know
0: any marketing is good or right? any publicity is good policy, yeah.
1: yeah bad bad publicity is good yeah you know? yeah so and I mean that a good example of that is Jordan Peterson yeah like he he. he right stuff and then like people on the left like they, they sharpen their knives and go okay I'm gonna I'm gonna try to assa- I've got to try to yeah. assassinate and him and then people
0: jump in to defend him and then
1: yeah because people and because many you know with him many of the uh, people are bad faith well the way they approach him is is arrogant and like the, the people that are defenders of him are highly attuned and vigilant for like arrogance or like misrepresentation, and, uh, whoever is going after JP has to like really be like precise and careful.
0: Now they are.
1: Now they're getting. Them. Yeah.
0: The first couple of people that challenged him in media were, they kind were of idiots. They were.
1: They were kind of idiots. Yeah. They were certainly. They weren't up to. Like,
0: they didn't think through the argument. Basically. Yeah. They yeah. weren't
1: up to his level at all. And now, now you're getting people who are much more uh, have much more depth and breadth, uh, yeah. you know, to their thinking. So they're able to grapple, you know, at a higher level. Yeah. Terror sweat. <laughs> it all started with terror sweat.
2: Yeah.
1: What, what else?
0: You look deep in thought. Eli. I don't know. We had a lot of good conversation before we started recording. But whatever. I don't feel like we're things about Gillette and Gordon, so No, there's enough press on that already. Yeah. Alright. I think this is good. I'm going to cut off the end. Okay. Well, now you've reminded me of, um, I think, the reason why comedians are now on the side of conservatism uh, online is because truth like there's a couple of things you can intellectualize. Comedy and sex. Like you can intellectualize what should be funny and shouldn't be funny, but either something makes you laugh or it doesn't. Same thing with sexuality, which is like I don't know if we got this on recording, but like the only reason why I'm not worried about this stuff is that the reasons why I think the stuff like the Gillette ad is not good for people is that it's gonna affect male self esteem. It's gonna affect uh, sexual interaction polarity. These people are gonna be upset in, in like ten years they're going to end up in an Omerpani workshop because they don't want to sleep with their husband or their wife um, and because the body doesn't lie. And like even now already, if, if you've ever been to an Omerpani workshop or any, any sexual workshop, one of the shows you see all the time is a uh, feminist couple Male, a man and woman. Um, they they like each other. They ideologically everything's compatible. But for the last eight years, she hasn't wanted to sleep with him, and and he doesn't understand because he's done everything that she's wanted. She's done everything society said a man should be. You know, kind. You know, uh, uh, what's the word? Kind, of almost servile. Um, and then she's gotten in her way and made all the decisions and stuff, and now they don't want to sleep with each other. And um, the body will not lie, which is why I'm not worried about it. Because, like, it'll kind of sort itself out. It's kind of just the path most people have to take. Well,
1: but the, argue, the counter argument to that is it won't sort, sort itself up because actually, what the, what the next step for that model is.
0: Everyone like, takes Viagra.
1: No, <laughs> no, it's hypergamy. So, like, everybody else is le- So, like, the eight years that she doesn't want to sleep with her husband.
0: She's going to sleep is up with Is it. that
1: she needs to sleep with somebody else. And so. I think that's okay too. And so, that's, that's the remedy to that is, is that, you know, society changes is to like you know people are still married and, and all the males are acting the way that you just described which kills desire but like about 10% of the males in society refuse to act that way right and those 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 guys spark the sexual attraction of all these married women who then go and have sex in their open marriage with these like 10% yeah
0: I don't think it's the worst solution I mean every time I talk to guys in workshops I'm basically saying like you can. I don't. I don't use those numbers, but I'm like, you can be the guy. It's just going to make it easier, I think. Uh, if you actually have balls, it'll be way easier to meet them. because you'll be kind of a diamond in the rough. It sucks for the other guys, but they'll have to learn
2: <laughs> eventually. Because you know, I like,
0: think like the last work the last men's workshop I was at, it was young guys trying to learn how to find themselves because they were raised kind of beta, and divorcees whose wife left them for another guy. That was a 100% of the room, or maybe like 90% of the room. And that's kind of just, those are the people who finally feel enough pain that are going to be like, okay, I'm going to learn how to be a man. I'm going to learn what's actually attractive and not uh, intellectually attractive. And same thing with comedy. Maybe to a lesser extent. But things are only funny when they're true. Which is why you see like comedians like Norm Macdonald and Roseanne and all these, I mean Roseanne's a little extreme, but like uh, you know Bill Burr, who are saying the same things they were saying in the 90s that were considered liberal and now they're considered conservative. Because they've had to hold on to this, hey, here's the where the truth is. The truth hasn't changed, but now what's funny is a little different, because you got to pull the other direction to get back to truth.
1: Yeah, people get so offended so easily now. But But that's exactly what's funny. It was the offense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, getting
0: offended. Like when I'm coaching an apathetic man, especially a guy who's been beta or like lost himself, I know we're on the right track when he's laughing during the coaching session because he's remembering something that was a stupid belief that he forgot. Like it's okay to like yourself or it's okay to like women. It's like something stupid like that will always make them laugh. Because you laugh when you realize the truth. That's what the punchline is. It's okay to like yourself. Yeah. Sometimes it's like such a stupid thing and you laugh and you remember it. it. Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: talking before about uh, we
2: were talking about like
1: boundaries and like wanting sex, not wanting sex, as a man.
2: You
0: know? I thought you were going to talk, say about um, like women who are in approval of their desire to be submissive.
2: They've
0: already either, they've never been negatively conditioned, yeah. or they've done the work to be like, oh, it's actually, I can trust my yes, I can trust my no, I know my boundaries, therefore... I can be okay with being a feminist and wanting to be a in the bedroom. Yeah. Whereas a woman who hasn't dealt with that, or a person, anybody who hasn't dealt with that, is going to have this like, ah, oh, oh, but is it okay? You know. Yeah. That feels really good, and like
1: when I when I reached those points, they're they're the most epic, uh, memorable, uh, sexual and romantic experiences that I that I have in my life. Like, and I can have them different ways. Like. I, as you know, you know I've, I've, I've gone to those places like in 15 minutes in a coffee shop. And yeah. it's like, but that happens because like I, I, it just so happens that I that I meet a woman that is willing to go
0: there. She's willing to trust her own feelings to just hey, I kind of want to explore my feelings with this guy. I just want. right. The other way though. But you also give permission to people like that, and you don't make them feel unsafe. So that this dirt end of it, too. It's kind of like a, it takes you to tango. It does, yeah. yeah no,
1: I'm, I'm, I'm also, I mean, I'm, I am all about that, that part of the field. I'm, I'm obviously subjected
0: to that. Yeah. On oh, a side note, I'm really trying to get Joseph to write more of his stories, so if you're listening to this and you don't see him put out his stories, we'll cyber bully him. <laughs>
1: Okay. Uh, but the other, another, I was just talking about this with, 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 with a, a girlfriend of mine, like, I am also a big fan of um, formality and ritual. Right? Like, 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 it's really interesting because the default way of, of, like, approaching sexuality is kind of this, like, script that's somewhat, uh, let's say, fairytale-ish, where it's like, oh, we're just like, you know, know, we're stumbling into this intimacy it's like we're we're on a date and we go through like you know there's like there's like like three dozen like invisible hoops that we managed to, to like somehow like stay the course to get through, and now you know it's like like we laughed at this joke, we did this, we we, we had fun here, we did this. Nobody like nobody like made things too explicit. Like and then at the end of the date, we're like you know walking home together, and we're at the door, and like all the sexual tension that's built up suddenly explodes. We kiss, we stumble through the doorway, and like we fall <laughs> You're making
0: my heart flutter, Joseph.
1: No, but I'm saying I'm saying that, I know. That, I know. the default yeah. way and it's like and people think like that that's the way it has to happen like, they think like oh formality and ritual like you mean like making the implicit explicit like that's that's so unromantic that's so like that's that's so like i don't know like, like they, they think it's not going to be good but like, like like for example like sitting down with a partner like saying to a partner like okay i'm interested in exploring pleasure. Like, let's play a game. Like, not let's play a game. Not like I'm not playing you, and you're not playing me. Let's play with each other. Yeah. I like both though. I I, I I
0: do I do like the implicit. Is it gonna happen? Is it not gonna happen? That's one thing I didn't like about being in an open relationship. That you didn't have the option to be implicit. You had to go over everything in advance. Right. It's like this it takes away the magic.
1: Yeah, but but there's a certain kind of magic in like like no. for example. Saying, like saying, like, 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 it's it's a consent form, for example. You know, like that. To me, like my first instinct around that is like, oh, that's bullshit. Or, 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 th- that's really tedious. The whole thing that they that they preach in like universities now, with like the yes means yes and you know explicit consent at every step. Like that. Uh, that is, I think that can be done that can still be done but it takes a very high level of skill a like very high level of confidence to make that sense but like if you if you like sit down and you go through like a form where you're like this is like I I consent to these things yes or no scale of one to five like in terms of what my turn on is around these things like it's actually a, a pretty great way to get to know some like somebody's pleasure map what right. they call it like like even if, like, half the things on the, on, the, on the map are, like, a one and a five, if, if a partner says that, then I'm, I'm not, obviously, I'm not going to do that. But then even the things that she's, like, a five and a five, most of those I'm not going to do either, like at, at least that time. Mm-hmm. But but now I know. Now I have this like a much deeper sense of like where her turn on is, what feels pleasurable, what types of sensations tend to feel pleasurable for her, and she in the moment can drop. Like there are certainly you know certain things she might you know even though it's unlikely they might be on her mind and she can completely let go like because like she's already said on the on the thing she said like no spanking you know let's say let's say she hates spanking right but in, in a normal encounter she might in the back of her mind be like i hate spanking i hope this guy doesn't like pull that out right. in the middle of sex and it, it really turns me off and ruins the moment for her let's say right so she's like you know but every once in a while she's really some guy who he does that you know, and it like kind of ruins things really.
0: Yeah. I think the, the explicit put everything on the table whether it's on a farm or not is great to do early on at some point. Yeah. Not every time. No
1: definitely not yeah. every time. I'm not saying every time. But yeah. I'm saying, it's great it's great. Yeah. I'm but saying it, it certainly can be
0: like a, a very positive thing yeah. rather than a negative thing. It was funny I, saw, I told you about this uh, casual relationship I have. i choosing another guy he seemed to be getting serious I was like ready to pull away I was ready for her to cut me off um and she was telling me that they had a re- she broke things off with him because they recently had a conversation where they put everything on the table and she was like she was saying everything he likes in bed and she was saying everything she likes in bed and you're like totally off well no well she said I really like getting tied up which is something she does with me all right I introduced her to it rather and um he he felt emasculated by it because that night he tried to choke her really hard and she was like whoa 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 that's way too hard and he said something like uh Whoa, well, this is coming from a chick who likes to be tied up like clearly he was feeling insecure and then yeah he went a little I mean honestly I've been there I've been like I was seeing someone she ended up squirting with some other guy and I was and I tried really hard to get her to do that but it kind of in an angry way and uh and obviously it wasn't fun for either of us so, like I understand the feeling of that emasculation um
2: but yeah I mean yeah
0: sometimes you find out things you don't want to hear basically you need to not be insecure if you're going to do that yeah you might I mean that's, that's true with any time you finding out the truth about someone you might find out something you don't want to
2: know
0: yeah
1: but again it's like you know
0: i mean i
1: i don't know i am not
0: insecure about that stuff no so it's like oh, it's like every guy should hope to work towards security around things like that so you can hear everything
1: but i mean like i i i, I can and i will tie a partner out, and I don't need that. Like, like, like. There's, there's like a, there's a, there's a, a, like, there's a. I mean, I don't want to hire guys, really, but like, uh, there's a, there's a place that you can, you can, you can go get to and have that just involves attention, and presence, and uh,
0: yeah, it's like a palette you to choose from. Yeah, and,
1: You know where, where it's so hot. Uh, you don't even need really like more than one position you, you don't I even, agree you know like like every time stops and then falls away and so does the rest of the world and yeah. you, you drop into this experience where like it almost doesn't matter what you do yeah
0: but you you can hear the whole reason why you're not insecure about anything on the list is that you know you can get to that place the way you like the way I like for a guy who's like oh, I don't know I don't know women like sick at all, and she, then he reads that. Oh, she has crazy orgasms of this kind with of this kind of person, or this thing that he doesn't know anything about. I get why he would feel shitty. So yeah. brace yourself. You're gonna go there. Yeah, but I still
1: think. My, I guess my point that I'm making is, if you develop the attention, presence, intention part, then uh, all of the other parts work copacetically with that foundational part. So like, you don't. Right needs to be a Shivari master uh, in order to elicit the same type of reaction uh, or to generate let's say yeah. the same type of you need to develop some
0: sort of skill no you
1: can't right but so estimate, but you could yeah. you could generate rather than needing to be a Shivari master you could, or anything you, you could master. simply know yeah. how to tie a wrist. And if you have that foundational presence, attention, intention card, you can generate the
0: same charge as if she was suspended.
2: Yeah. And this is
0: actually why I kind of like things like the Gillette ad, because i it's not going to do this immediately, but I do think this will kind of be a wake-up call to certain kinds of men, like, oh, shit, I need to learn stuff. I can't just get by and be, you know, assume, you know, just fucking, like, a porn situation is going to be good sex. Like, I need to actually maybe learn the attention, presence, or some sort of skills. like, you're not born knowing how to be good in bed.
2: Maybe some people are. Well,
1: now we're, we're kind of we're back to like alpha beta, like like
2: there is this
1: thing that I've I've observed.
2: It's a
1: it's a it's kind of a like a, a mind mindfuck of a paradox. Like like a certain type of alpha male. Let's let's call it. It's like part of why they're alpha. Even is they don't give a fuck about their woman's pleasure, their partner's pleasure at all. They're not thinking about it at all. When they're having sex with their partner, it doesn't ever occur to them that whether or not their partner is enjoying it, and that. In itself is a turn on. I, I have understand. and the, and, the, and who they are and usually it has to do with high sexual market value. But it, but it could could also be a presence. Like there are certain yeah. males that have like the alpha presence. It's like ultimately penetrating it's like yeah. energetically speaking. But when they have that, there's like a visceral, instinctive, involuntary reaction in the woman that actually creates. Like they don't have to learn. Or
0: I have a few thoughts on that. Cause I'm thinking, I'm thinking of people who would be considered alpha, like the the frat boy
2: alpha guy. Well, that's it's different. different. I
0: think that every time, I, I bet everyone who's listening, when they listen to you describe that kind of guy, it was an older guy with a bunch of experiences who really is secure, really maybe he didn't learn things in a workshop but he learned things through experience and he just yeah. totally trusts himself that he yeah. knows we are going to have a good experience and that's why he doesn't care and, and um, it reminds me, have you read Infinite Jest? Yeah there's a passage, I never finished the book because it's ridiculous yeah. but but there's a pad if you, got, you get it up to the part with Marlon Brando uh-huh. they talk about Marlon Brando Marlon Brando. It's, yeah. so they had a whole thing of like ever since Marlon Brando movies, America thought that a way to be a man is to like be rough and throw things across the room. Room and break shouldn't be rough with your appliances and stuff. And they missed the point of Marlon Brando. Marlon Brando had so much attention. Like if he had to break a chair on stage, he practiced over and over and over again. So he had to. He knew exactly where the center of gravity was on a chair where he leaned back. He knew exactly where a woman's center of gravity was. He threw her across the room. Like he had so much presence and attention. folks yeah. so when he does it, when he's like you know Stanley Kowalski, it looks like he's just throwing people around. But he actually he embodied that, and that's why he didn't give a shit yeah and I think that's true and like whenever I any of my female friends talk about like or I met this guy and like he's a man I'm like he must be over 40 like I already know that because I don't know I don't know that there's any guy younger than that who has had enough Mad experiences to really be a man. Honestly, and I'm saying this is a thirty year old guy, I think I'm pretty conscious of the bad experiences but
1: like Well but, but okay, but like an example of my when I was thinking about this.
2: So you know, I knew
1: this guy and now again again, you know, I link it to like like sexual value and sexual attraction. Like this guy was physically very very good yeah. but, but, but at 22 years old you know he he was like like physically looked like 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 body-wise was like the rock he was like on steroids huge but like lean tall narrow waist wide shoulders, tattoos, was was literally a male model. But like like a a mean kind of guy, a
0: bad boy. Mm -hmm. Like
1: who men feared. And
0: he caused Ted or sweat, therefore he had alpha sweat.
1: Well like I I I witnessed many many times. I witnessed him like like make eye contact with a woman and I literally see her melting in real time like like she, she looked at him and it's like she was completely her nervous system was like zapped like she had no idea what to do like like in that moment she's like like do I keep staring at him do I look away do I do I walk away somewhere like what do I she's like like completely like stuck with like desire like immediate desire like she, and she's like the long longer she's looking at him, the more she's like, like her heartbeat is starting to, you know, right. increase, her, her, her breathing is getting more and more rapid, and she's, she's like completely, owned in that moment by this guy and like whatever happens after like most of the time he's not interested like he's like he looks at her and then turns turns away and she's going like she's having trouble standing up and she's like you know now she's got to deal with that and she, for the rest of the night, she's like staring across the bar, hoping that he notices her. You know, that's kind of what I meant. Gotcha. You know, like, like that, that guy, it's a paradox because that guy obviously does have a lot of experience.
0: Yeah, because so, I bet that guy, everything else being equal, will have more experiences by the time he's 30, 40, whatever. He will. Than any other guy. You know, than
2: any other guy. You know,
0: Borrowing other factors,
1: but and so <laughs> I don't know that he particularly paid attention to learning or valuing like you know uh, increasing his skill. Like he might he might have learned through experience that like all yeah. he needed to do was like like meet the gr- meet meet uh, strength, the, the girl he just met in the bathroom and like just like bang her for five minutes and then like but in that five minutes she's completely like like jello right?
2: yeah
0: so I uh, don't mention his name but there's a guy who uh, is having a me of allegation right now in the Tantra world he was really good-looking and so like got away with a lot of things I don't know what was true I'm not you know I have no idea what was whatever but one of the facts of the matter is his looks are fading, and he probably got a lot he, he got a lot through his looks in the realm of everything and his looks are failing and I fading and I think uh, that's one of the he's just kind of confused and then this me too thing happened on top of that um, which I don't think would have happened when he was thirty
1: right yeah. well that's we talked about that many times you know like I find it very in- interesting to observe that Like, there are very few Me Too allegations uh, with men that are objectively, like, like high sexual market value. Yeah. Like, like an an 8 out of 10 or over, there's almost none you can mention. In fact, it's almost the opposite. Like, those men are still... Sought out,
0: and, and, yeah. and, and they bring up the Jarolito example. Like women, like almost choose to be violated. Right women would pref- w- w- women Some are, women were. we're just saying. Not, not some
1: women. Yeah, that's true. Some women are, are actually like because his value is so high. It's part of like it's 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 still part of the. It's worth it. it's worth it. like it's an interesting phenomenon, I mean, but. They're, they're, there haven't been any Me Too allegations about Jared Leto, right? yeah. you know, he's a good example
2: because
0: he's... There could be.
1: Well, there, there certainly point. could be, but yeah. the reactions are, uh, are seem to be, at the moment, the opposite. His underground reputation, you know, you know considering what his underground reputation is, he should have multiple Me Too allegations, but he doesn't.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. So yeah, people are
2: people.
1: People are animals. Yeah. No, and that's what you know. Like you, like you point out with with this guy. You know, he's getting older. It's like at a certain point, you reach. You know,
2: uh,
1: you you fall into a. an area where you no longer have this uh, protection, yeah. right, or or this this value, whatever it is. Because
0: I mean, I don't know the guy very well, but I've met him. He seems like a decent person. I mean, not that I, that means anything in real life, but like my guess is, when he was younger and he would do something violating, he got positive feedback actually. Yeah, because. Whatever, maybe they liked it. Maybe just they was like, whatever, I'm it having such a good time. experience just violating
1: because he was yeah.
0: so, it was such a off. Yeah, so maybe for 20, 30 years, every time he did something like that, he, he was like, oh, I really like this. I should do this more, whatever the thing is and now it's not the, all of a sudden it's not the case because it's happening more more
2: and
1: more mm-hmm. yeah. yeah he's not a downward slope it's yeah. like and, and as he gets older and older less and less women are going to like, le, like less and less women are going to have like all the options on the table in an encounter like they're going to be more and more as he gets older and as his sexual market value goes down more and more places on the, you know, the pleasure map, you know, on, on the encounter are going to be sort of like off limits, yeah. or like undesired
0: to go to. Yeah, I mean, it's true for every. I mean, it's, I think it's maybe even more true for women. Like a lot of my female friends who are now getting older are just noticing they can't get away with shit anymore because they, they used to be able to bat their eyelashes and whatever, and like people would forgive them, and now they're kind of getting shit from men or like they're being treated less um less nicely on dates and stuff and like oh men are all whatever it's like well you just probably got away with rudeness or whatever not even rudeness but like not you know it's uh it's kind of just a a way of there's
1: a lot of a lot of youth will be served a lot of double standards a lot of hypocrisy on both sides of the media
0: so the lesson is no matter how good looking you are you gotta develop a personality Otherwise, you're gonna have terror sweat.
1: That 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 should be obvious. Yeah. Do you
0: have any other thoughts? Uh, Let's
1: see. The only other thought is that loss has already transfigured your life into an altar what we'll end with
0: that alright you can explain it to me later
1: (laughs) hey thanks for listening
0: to the podcast if you want to catch the rest of my work go to Rwando.com catch me on social media at Rwando and please do not forget to subscribe